Women Who Rebrand is a UK-based lifestyle platform that champions growth, inspiring women to live authentically while navigating the challenges of modern-day life. The platform is home to the self-titled podcast and insightful articles covering careers, health and wellness, and relationships. Join our online community at Women Who Rebrand. Hi, my name's Amber Collins. I am the podcast host for the Neurodivergent Awakening pod, which is all around my journey as an autistic and ADHD woman, as a mum, parenting, and basically my unmasking journey and what that looks like. So I've been doing that for around six months now. Um, no, less than that, so I've only got about 15 episodes. Anyway, I'm also a content creator. I'm a mum to a three-year-old who's also autistic, and I'm also a social media manager. Hmm exciting yeah well my name's Dee and I'm the host of We Knew the Moon podcast and that is the official podcast of the Goddess Temple Twickenham so do check both of them out we do events and all sorts of stuff over to you Sarita (laughs) hi my name is Sarita Fontaine I'm a writer and the creator of Women Who Rebrand a UK-based lifestyle platform that champions growth inspiring women to live authentically while navigating the challenges of modern day life. The platform is home to the self-titled podcast, Women Who Rebrand, and insightful articles covering careers, health and wellness, and relationships as womenwhorebrand.com and Women Who Rebrand on Instagram. So that's me. And this is the first time I'm actually doing a collaborative podcast episode. I'm so excited. Same, same. So this is a bit of a learning curve for us all. (laughs) So bear with us. (laughs) All right. Well, we wanted to talk a little bit about our own journeys with our different diagnoses. So Amber, do you want to tell us? You already mentioned a little bit. So I'm a fully neurodivergent woman. So I've got multiple (laughs) diagnoses. Um, No, so my journey as a woman who's neurodivergent is slightly unusual because most neurodivergent women are late diagnosed. But I was diagnosed with autism when I was around three and a half because I was super nonverbal until I was around six. I didn't talk. But the weird thing that my family did was they didn't tell me. So no one told me. I had no idea. And then I got to 13, saw the word autism on a form, went, mum. And I just obviously reiterate, this is 1996 when I got diagnosed. My mum was a single parent. She was 22 when she had me. And my dad went as soon as I got diagnosed. Very not long afterwards, he left. So she was navigating the whole thing around with no internet, no Google, no support groups. So I think in her mind, she was like, oh, I don't want her to feel different. So she just didn't tell me. So that's the conversation we've had. And my mum did a lot of things right. But that was the one thing she got wrong. <laughs> so not bad, you know, for someone who was like navigating that time. But yeah, I saw the word in the form and mum was like, oh, it just means you need a bit of help. And I was like, I don't know what that means. And then I saw the film Rain Man and I went, no. Nah, can I swear on here? Am I allowed to yeah. swear? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, yeah. yeah. Fuck this shit. I was like, I am not Rain Man. And I just went, nope, I'm not doing this. That is not me. I, I do not yeah. check, like, do not prescribe to that. So I just masked horrendously my entire life. Got to 25, had a mental breakdown, which was actually an autistic burnout. Kind of rejigged my whole life, got pregnant, <laughs> had my little boy very quickly realised he was autistic. He literally came out flapping this kid, like very outwardly wow. autistic. Wow. And I was like, I need to look into this for his sake because I went straight into victim mode, straight into like, oh my God, what's going on? And actually I was like, hang on, I've got everything I need to help him. I know exactly what he's going through. I need to go through this. So I've kind of gone into it like a late diagnosed woman, even though I'm not. Can I just ask you to explain about masking for those who aren't that familiar with it? So masking is the act of a neurodivergent person. And this can go, you can mask all sorts of things. Like you have mental health, bipolar, schizophrenia, or everyone along these lines masks. And masking is essentially the act of pretending you're neurotypical and pretending that you're not needing anything different. So you're pretending that you're normal. I'm doing air quotation marks for the sake of the audio. So you basically act like you don't have sensory issues. You mimic other behaviors to fit in and to appear normal. And you almost construct like a completely fake personality. And every single person that I've ever met who is neurodivergent has gone through this experience. It's a very universal experience. And you don't often know you're doing it until you've been diagnosed. Because I got my ADHD diagnosis this year. So I turned 30 like the week after I got my um, ADHD diagnosis. And I realized that every single career that I've had, obviously, if you're ADHD or no, you kind of bounce from job to job. 
But the career I'd picked, I'd worked in beauty and I'd almost like subconsciously built my entire life around my neurodivergence, but not realised, if that makes sense. And yeah, like, definitely. And even down to like my personality. So I came out of my big burnout and it was almost like, who the fuck am I? <laughs> because I had constructed this entire right. facade that wasn't real, like down to the clothes I wore, the way I did my hair, the music I listened to. Like I'd pretend that I like Deep House. I fucking hate Deep House. But like I'd <laughs> pretend that I like this shit like for no reason other than I wanted to fit in. I'd pretend that I enjoyed going clubbing. I pretended that I enjoyed going out for drinks. I hate it. I hate the taste of alcohol. Do you know what I mean? Like all these things that I just pretended to do because it was what was socially acceptable. And then, yeah, I after I had my son, and by the time he was one, it was really, really clear he was autistic. And he had several delays. He's doing amazing now. Like, literally, the kid, is, he's so clever. Like, it actually blows my mind how clever he is. Um, and he's doing really well. But at the time, I was like, oh, my God. And I went right into victim mode. And I was like, this isn't helping us. And kind of without overstepping both of your journeys, it kind of leads into my spiritual journey, which was what we're going to talk about. So that's kind of how... That marries trajectory, up, that yeah. Yeah, yes. the trajectory. Yeah, yeah. So interesting. Yeah, can't wait to get into this. And D, I am dyslexic, and I, you know, I we're all well. Sarita and I are a little bit older than you, but we're up still that generation that these conditions were not being tested that often and that regularly in the same way as they are now, right? So it's mm. not a surprise that especially our age group. We're being diagnosed later, if at all. So mm. I had, I had, I've always been dyslexic, but I was only diagnosed when I went to art college. And part of the reason was because I always did really well at school, but I now understanding more about masking, realized that I was masking. I was staying up ridiculous hours getting my work done. And it was work that seemed to like come so easily to other people. When I went to art college, it's very common for neurodivergent people to go into the creative arts. And so they had a bit of a drive to test people for, I don't know if they did autism and ADHD, but they definitely did dyslexia. So I got tested for dyslexia at uni and lo and behold, (laughs) I am dyslexic. And it, it felt such a relief. It didn't feel like bad news. It felt like relief because I was like, okay, I get it. I'm not stupid. These are because of this, that, and the other. And actually, yeah, I could look at it as like a curse or whatever, but actually there's all these advantages and all of this stuff, you know, like I'm incredibly good at speaking, <laughs> I think. And so did the <laughs> psychiatrist. He <laughs> um, <laughs> said I was in the top 3% for speaking and I have a very visual memory. So if I see something, I can m- remember that image very well. I've got like almost photographic memory. So wow. it's just like yeah. focusing on, you know, the positives really yeah. which takes a bit of time and can be quite difficult it's a massive mindset shift isn't it having to yeah. not see it as like this big deficit yeah exactly Absolutely. exactly so what about you Sarita I've been following your journey so with me I'm um yeah a late late diagnosis adult I turned 40 and was diagnosed with yeah turned 40 you're not 40 I'm 40 I'm 40 <laughs> Obviously, I can pass for an 18 year old. I I love it. So no, I was diagnosed quite late on. For me, I specifically thought, okay, do you know what? I've always thought be ADHD, but I didn't really know anything about it. And as there's been more awareness online, people saying, you know, ADHD is the trendy one now. And I don't think it's necessarily trendy in the case of, you know, it's fun to have ADHD. So everyone's just claiming it. I think there's just so much more information out there now and people sharing their journeys, which again, my age group, even 10 years ago, no one was really talking about it because it was like, well, you have a problem and Mm. it's, you know, we don't discuss these things. So no one really knew. So yeah, I saw a lot of things online and there was one particular thing and I can't even remember what it was. It was one of the traits um, and I was like, okay, that really does sound like me. I thought I was the only one that did that. And I think a lot of my traits I thought was just a weird quirky what? thing that was just yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So a lot of things made sense. When I was in school, I don't see myself as an academic. I'm not good at tests. When when you said you have photographic memory, D, I was like, 
that is not me. Like I remember random things that I enjoy from like years ago, but names, they go out of my head. I have to do some visual things to remember people's names and like connect the dots. My husband always gets annoyed that I forget people's names, but I'm like, right, how is, and I'll pause and I'll be like, how do I know them? What did I see? Where's that box? And it's like I'm I'm opening a box. I think that's kind of how ADHD is. It's like you've got your sorting boxes, but they're all open. Yes. You know yes. what I mean? Whereas a neurotypical person has them shut and there's nice clear sections. Yeah. Ours is like, yeah. It's all over the place. Oh, no, it's just everywhere. Yeah. So when I was in school, I didn't do very well in exams, obviously. I didn't really pass many GCSEs. But I always was just told, you know, you're not very intelligent. You're not you're not clever. And I took that on board mm. and I gravitated towards the arts because I always had a passion for the arts. So, yeah, I did beauty. I did art. And now I'm obviously online, a content creator. And mm. as you were saying, Amber, you kind of fit your work around mm. around your brain, your traits. And you, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's to me, it's not a surprise that I've I do so many different things and I've done so many different things over the years and I've obsessed mm. with starting new projects. Yeah, that's the most exciting thing. Neurodivergent women make amazing entrepreneurs. We yes. make amazing so I'm, entrepreneurs. I'm, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm clinging on to that bit because I, I like that bit. Everything I've done, I've done well. Yes. However, I haven't necessarily stuck to them. Mm. That's the only issue. So it's actually sticking to one thing and then just rising up with that amazing, yeah, career. So we'll see. We'll see. You'll never know. But that's my journey. I was late diagnosed. It's been an eye opener and lots of things make sense. At first, I think I was a bit like, oh, all these quirks that I thought were me and not necessarily me. So is that ADHD? Where's my personality? But there is no start and beginning. That's the thing I found really hard to get my head around. It there's no stop and start. We're not. It's not like I put a thing on my Instagram and like a yogurt, like a plain yogurt. You're not mm-hmm. a plain yogurt with strawberries on top. You're a strawberry infused yogurt. Mm. Does that make yes. sense? <laughs> Love it. Strawberries, that's, that's the only like that's the only extra thing. Extra sugar. Like, yeah, you're all <laughs> of it. You're all of it together. Yeah. Like, and it's yeah. ingrained. And there is no oh. I'm neurotypical Serena and then you know there's a line there's ADHD you know it's you're all one thing absolutely and I don't know if I've decided that our souls are neurodivergent yet like I don't know I'm, I'm kind of like is it a soul thing are we star seeds are we indigo children? Like, I don't know but I definitely think it's the way your brain is wired and there's nothing you can do to rewire it the way yeah. that it should yeah. be absolutely absolutely which is kind of where I am now because I'm like well, I have ADHD. That's a part of me. It's still part of my personality because my personality was formed. It's part of it. So whatever, man, I'll get my words muddled up and go off on tangents and open random boxes and pause for like 20 minutes trying to remember a name. But that's just me. And I, I love yeah. it. <laughs> the thing is, how boring would it be if everyone was the same? And I think right. the world needs these differences. We need neurotypical people. We need neurodivergent people. The world wouldn't run without them. Exactly exactly that well we all touched on it that we're all we like the sort of spiritual side of things don't we Mm -hmm. Mm. we are very open-minded I don't think any of us prescribe to a particular religion I might be wrong but we just love that kind of side of things I mean I'm here for it if it's tarot crystals all sorts (laughs) fucking love it incense (laughs) I love to burn shit I just hosted an event last night for the full moon yeah (laughs) exactly and I had a super interesting conversation I talked to Sarita about it a lot and a super interesting conversation with you Amber about the links between being neurodivergent and the spiritual world does it make you more inclined to go down that route or are there things that make you more open to those sort of things or does the spiritual world fit in better with someone who's neurodivergent we were just you know really really interested you came to me with the idea and I was just hooked so we just thought we'd we'd kind of covered that a little bit today right about yeah are there any links are there any connections are there any reasons why I mean I host these spiritual events and 
a huge percentage of the people that come along to my events tell me that they are, they have ADHD or they have autism or, mm. or something. Mm. It's, it's fascinating. I don't, you know, we know that the numbers are going up for people that have been diagnosed with these things as awareness is increasing and research is increasing, but it just seems like too much of a coincidence. Mm. And when the universe throws you lots of coincidences, you, you got to listen, <laughs> huh? Exactly. Right. Over to you, Amber. You're going to tell us a little bit. Uh, okay. So kind of leading on from, obviously, I was like, right, I need to kind of explore this. I started looking into spirituality. So I read two books. One was called Just Fucking Do It by Noor Hibbert. And the other one was actually, they're both very sweary books. Um, but that's why I've not given a fuck by Mark Manson. And both of those books changed my life completely. Both amazing books. And people always say that Just Fucking Do It is a business book. It's really not. So much of it goes into spirituality. And I think because Nora isn't neurodivergent, but because she explains things in quite a simple way, my little neurodivergent brain was like, yes. And it wasn't airy-fairy. Because some of the airy-fairy bits, at first, it, I couldn't quite get my head around it. because I was always a very proud atheist. I was like, nope, I don't subscribe to anything. I'm not into it. Mm. Whereas this kind of flipped and made me go, oh, okay, I need to like look at this because there's got to be some truth in it. And yeah, I started exploring that. And the more that I went into it and started looking into kind of different things, obviously so much of it is about self-acceptance and kind of your limiting beliefs and undoing those. And I realized most, if not all of my limiting beliefs were based around the fact that I felt I wasn't good enough. I felt I was stupid. I didn't think I was clever. And the thing is at school, I was told I was clever, but I went through Mm. that kind of very neurodivergence tends to go to kind of one two ways I find either we have an experience like Sarita where it's like you're stupid and you know go and you know color in the corner basically which is what you know you get and all the other half half is um oh you're gifted you're exceptional yes. and then you don't meet that um expectation that one <laughs> and that the expectation is too big and you can't meet it because you've got all these other things going on like your sensory needs everything else not being met and you're masking and I went from being one of the gifted people in my school oh go and do a degree and I'd done an art degree I was going to do an art degree as well I was going to go into Mm. fashion and um, I was very good at art into fashion not that you'd know it I'm wearing a bloody Primark hoodie (laughs) and still fashion babes (laughs) Yeah, it's not fashion, fashion, fashion. It's a, it's a zip top, it's fashion. <laughs> you know, went into all that. And I got into uni, I went to Ravensbourne and uh, when it first opened up in Greenwich. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I walked in and I was like, I just, I just crumbled. I could not do it. Oh, and I wow. don't know if part of it was because at school, the way the school system is, kind of works if you're yeah. kind of sometimes. Was it the structure? Yeah, the structure really helped me. So every minute of every day is like streamlined. Like you go yeah. to lunch and then you do English and then you do maths, blah, 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 and it's streamlined. And even though I struggled with my concentration doing work, they put it down to my home life because um, just the way my home oh. life was set up, they put it down to that. They didn't put it down to, oh, it's because you're autistic and potentially you could have ADHD. So I had support with that and I had support teachers because of my autism. Not that I knew that's what it was, but I knew I had a support mm-hmm. teacher. And even at school, like, I don't know how I didn't get bullied because at school I had a support teacher and all the kids in my class, I was in like the naughty but clever class, if that makes sense. You know, the class where if we all put ourselves to it, we could be in top set, but we're all noisy and we're in the top by <laughs> third. So yeah. Like, everyone has that <laughs> so I was in that set. And I remember all the, like, I was with all the really naughty, like the naughty, bad, popular kids. And then there was me. Right. Why has Amber got a support teacher? She's the clever one. And they were all like, no, we want one. Like, it was just really funny how everyone reacted. It was, I think kids are just actually accepting. If you let kids be accepting, they will be. But yeah, I never, ever once got picked on for, oh, you're clearly, you know, whatever. No one, they picked on me for being fat and being a bit dorky, but not for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, sorry, tangent. (laughs) There will be loads on this episode. (laughs) Loads of tangents. I'm so sorry. Yeah, so by the time I got to uni and you had so much free time, it was all self-directed. It was a brand new university. Why I thought that would be a good idea. And I remember my teachers going, please don't go there. Please don't go there. Oh, wow. Because they were like, you you need something very like the structure is there and they know what they're doing. Not that it's a bad university. I've got friends who've done really well there. And if you're doing media and filming, amazing university. She didn't really even do a fashion course there. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't the right, and we all said it. We were like, it wasn't quite right. I should have gone, and I wanted to go Campbell. 
And my mum was like, you're not going to Camberwell because <laughs> she just thought I was going to get stabbed. I don't know. She worried about that. So I ended up, again, being restricted, going to this university that was seemed as safely. It wasn't the right place for me. Yeah. And really, I should have done psychology. Like, you know, when you're just like, oh, like that would have been just, amazing. Yeah. I'd done a psychology degree and I did psychology as an A level. And my teacher was like, please go do a degree in it. Like, you're, you know, you get it. And I think it'd be really good for you. And I was like, no, nice. I'm going to go be the session. I could, yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that. And then I dropped out and I was like, I'm going to do hairdressing because I wanted to do makeup artistry. So I did makeup artistry mm-hmm. and hair, did that for a few years, doing like London Fashion Week and doing all different things assisting done all that how interesting that you and Sarita Amber and Sarita you've both had like very similar yeah absolutely absolutely a lot of us do this and I think it's because that kind of need of wanting to do lots of different things yeah and not be and I feel like with me I always have like a one-year expiry for any kind of project that I set my mind to or any kind of job Mm -hmm. and I ended up meeting my partner working on a makeup counter and then I ended up doing makeup counter management for like six seven years and the reason it worked was because I could jump from counter to counter every year so I could stay with the same company so I don't know if I'm allowed to say the name of the company oh just say it oh it was Lancome there we go oh okay all right then Lancome and you know what they were actually really amazing to work for and they kind of got me without me ever disclosing so I never ever disclosed my disability ever never officially I never went to HR and went oh I'm autistic blah, blah, blah. You need, I need this I need that and I didn't know how to I didn't know how to ask for accommodations I didn't know that was an option you know like I didn't know that was a thing and I remember just thinking oh maybe I've got anxiety and in the end I just went oh I have anxiety and I didn't actually think I had autism I thought I was anxious and I was like oh they've got it wrong I'm just a really anxious person so I would do a year and because I was really good at my job I would get accounts that had like nothing and they'd be like bottom of the thing and then they'd go oh can you go to this account and fix it I would and then I'd leave and go do another one so I very quickly bounced very quickly got pay rises and the rest of it It was really really good then changed to a different company (laughs) don't do that um and then just completely and utterly couldn't cope with being with the other company and that was where I had burnout so from doing that that was when I did the kind of like spiritual stuff so I'd realized I'd kind of structured so much of what I had done around that and a lot mm-hmm. of my limiting beliefs were, you know, you're not good enough and you're not smart enough and different things, especially down to being like non-verbal until six. I think I've realised now I have a massive thing around my throat track, like my throat chakra mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. even going into chakras and all these different things. Once I opened my mind up to them, I was like, oh, my God, it, it, it feels like a neurodivergent brain is more welcomed in these spaces of course and things like stimming so for people that are listening don't know what stimming is stimming is normally an autistic thing but ADHD people can stim too and stimming is when it's if you think of like a sneeze and a hiccup you can repress a sneeze but you can't repress a hiccup so where people say ticks ticks are more like hiccups where like you physically can't stop yourself you need to twitch you need to twitch which again is quite common within neurodivergence lots of people have ticks Lewis Capaldi's recently come out as having Tourette's and his interview with Stephen Bartlett was really good and he explained ticks really well. Mm-hmm. Stimming is more like a sneeze. So you really need to do it. It's incredibly uncomfortable to hold it in, but you can at a push to your detriment, to your discomfort. And the reason people withhold their stimming in public is because it's a form of masking because it's not acceptable for me as a 30-year-old woman to walk around, you know, flapping my hands. It's not hurting anyone if I do that. Yeah, but in society, it's unacceptable, like air quotation marks. So I never stimmed because it was just always deemed as unacceptable. So I, it's never been something I've been able to do. So I've always had this pent up need, energy. Right. Oh, I was anxious. But actually, it's because I, w- I wasn't giving myself a movement. And that's why exercise is really good for neurodivergent people. And I really recommend some form of exercise, even if it's just walking. So when I discovered like EFT tapping and breath work, and I can stand in a room and I can do deep breaths. And I, can, and I remember the instructor was like, right, and you jump around. And he was literally stimming. Who long having a stim? And I was like, you're stimming. And he was like, what's that? And he didn't know. <laughs> and I was like, it's the first time. And I remember it took me ages to feel comfortable to actually do it because it was going against my psyche of, no, 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 this is bad. This is bad. You need to mask. So now, like, even with my son, 
he's super stimmy and like just constantly stings bless him and it can be an expression of joy some people think it's an expression of anxiety it's not often it's an expression of joy an expression of comfort so he'll stim when he's really really happy some people do stim with anxiety or they have anxiety stims you okay no <laughs> i just saw your face like, get the ball out before you forget <laughs> thank you thank you he's got this comfort there no so yeah. stimming you said it's usually something that you do when you're really happy. So mm. would that be like, I don't know. So if I'm in a good mood, like if there's good food, I'll do a little dance. Mm. Or if I'm enjoying myself or I get a bit excited, you see it in my body yep. and I can't yep. contain myself. It has to yep. come out. It's like energy. Yep. Is that not just a, again, in quote, normal thing? Do people not do that? Or... Yeah. I talk about this a lot. Sometimes traits... Shaking their heads. No, individualised traits don't necessarily... If you have like one trait or something, doesn't mean you're autistic or ADHD. And Mm -hmm. autism and ADHD is way more crossovers than people realise. They used to be two completely separate things. There's now a lot of crossovers. So ADHD people can have sensory issues. They can have stims. You can stim. And it can be from that... It can be like a form of your hyperactivity. So if you're a hyperactive ADHD person, then definitely you can stim. Uh, obviously I'm not a doctor it's just all the stuff that I've kind of like correlated in, in my research but yeah no that is a form of a stim so a stim can be something as simple as like, I'll sit here and do this a lot mm-hmm. if you ever see me do that that's so I'm just tapping my fingers for the audio um mm-hmm. that can be a stim I have I haven't got them on stage they've been charging so they're now on my side but um like my chakra bracelets and my chip bracelets they make amazing like fidget toys and sensory kind of stimuli so I sit there there they are I'm only charging in the garden. I need to put them on. Um, they charged mine last night. I forgot. No, yeah, no. I, I rushed out. I haven't put them on yet. But um, the chakra ones in particular, it's got tourmaline and it's the lovely crunchy crystal. Yes. It's like really crispy. So I'll sit there playing with that, and that's a very new thing mm. for me. Like this is a, this is something I've repressed for years and years and years. And this is why fidget toys are really good. Like blue tack, even play doh, little fidget stress toys. They're perfect. So yeah. things like that. Like I say, you have access to those things. And even crystals, like the ritualistic stuff, all very neurodivergent affirming. EFT tapping, the first time I saw someone EFT tapping, I was like, holy shit, that's a really good way of stimming. Because you you can sit there and just kind of move that energy, but do it in a way that you feel in control. So if you're someone that's masked like your entire life, like me, you can do all your tapping and feel that energy move, but you're not Mm -hmm. feeling like weird. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That makes Dee, sense. Do you know about tapping? Do you do tapping? Yeah, I don't do it. Oh, sorry. Uh, if you explain it, Dee, better than me, because oh, I think you. It. Well, I'll try. But okay. it's this idea that you have different points on your. There's one routine that's the sort of basic one that you've got different points on your body, your face, mm. and your neck area. But if you tap, you can like instantly do relieve anxiety yeah. and so forth. Oh. It's kind of like pressure points. Yeah, it's the pressure point. So I've got a headache here. So when I come off this call, I will do tapping. So I will literally, and you go along, it's emotional freedom technique. There's a really good book called The Tapping Solution, which is, and they've got a documentary about on YouTube and it's all free. So if you want to look into it, just Mm -hmm. watch that. But very, very helpful. And you can use it to relieve like limiting beliefs and blocks. So say if you were worried about money and you could tap on it and say, like, I am a, I'm a wealthy woman, I'm abundant, money flows to me at ease, like, you can do all that, and you can bring it down your body. And it's a bit like um, when you do chakra unblocking, if you've ever done that, it's you're moving that blocked energy. So it's the same kind of wow. thing, but it's a much more accessible way of doing it rather than having mm. to go to, like, a healer. You can yeah. Do it yeah. Yeah. See, I feel like a bit of a newbie. So, again, um, I am – I've always said I'm quite spiritual – but I didn't really understand what that actually meant. And again, it's not like I had all of this information um, mm. in front of me to consume. So I I guess I've just gone along my own spiritual journey and, lo- and learned things along the way. So I know about chakras, but I don't know about like tapping out chakras and all of that. Um, but it's really interesting how we are all very similar in different mm. ways. But then... Um, similar in the sense that there's so many things that are exactly the same. Like, again, going back to you saying how um, it's not like I felt stupid in a way because I wasn't able to do things. Mm. It was that 
I think it was the expectation I struggled with. Yeah. And it's like, I was always told, you know, you're really good at reading. You're really good at writing. You're really good at. Blah, 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 blah. And then mm. when the test came, it's like, well, um, I got like one. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is ridiculous. What's going on? And then I'd get in like a lot of trouble. So it was like a constant thing of, I really want to meet people's expectations. I, I, I want People to prove I can do it. Yeah. And then. Yeah. And how many of you had this, right? Mm. So having to explain to people that you dyslexic, autistic and so forth. So many people are like, oh, well, don't worry. Einstein was <laughs> dyslexic. And it's like, yeah, but please don't expect me to be the next Einstein. Do you know it's what I mean? Stage left. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just going to be a normal person. I won't be no Einstein. And it's like they need to like I'm thinking of my parents, bless them. They needed to know, OK, that doesn't mean she can't still have a high achieving life. And, you yeah. know, and I so I get yeah. that. I think why is the expectation has got to be that you're a high achiever? Why can't the expectation yeah. be you're just happy? Oh, because I have an Arab dad. Oh, <laughs> but no bless them they were they were amazing but it's like they need to be like oh it's okay I need to know like they need to know famous people in history and and currently that have that diagnosis so they can be like okay she she's she'll be okay yeah she'll still be successful and I think that's the problem that's probably the worry with parents they want your child to do well and be successful so if they see or hear anything that they feel that might get in the way of that well it's like Right. Okay. So, who is successful? Ah, Einstein. Oh, it's mm. yeah. oh, fine. It's mm. fine. So, I yeah. guess they need to be Einstein. Yeah. Yeah. Yeti. Yeah. yeah I don't okay. Think the, I'll try. Um, media's held with this. So, either like you look at, you know, who mm. in the media is autistic, name the first person, Sheldon Cooper. Like, <laughs> we're not all saving yeah. science. Oh, I can look at that and know how many yeah. threads of cotton are in that pillow. Like, I, I you know, it doesn't always go that way. And I think because we've had such limited media representation of all these things, neurodivergence as a whole, especially no female yes. representation, let alone black characters, let alone, you know, anyone with any colour, let alone gay, lesbian, whatever, do you know what I mean? Transgender. That's true. It's just straight white men. When I think it's something like two thirds of neurodivergent people are LGBTQ. Wow. Mm. Two thirds. Two wow. Thirds. A third wow. of LGBTQ are neurodivergent. Two thirds of neurodivergent people are LGBT. You know yeah. What I mean? yeah. And one in six trans people are autistic. What? I had no idea. Neither That's did I. The same as, you know, things like authority and structure. It doesn't make any fucking sense to us. Yeah. You love who you love. Yeah. Join our online community at Women Who Rebrand. WomenWhoRebrand.com. So again, going back to you know the whole spiritual thing and mm. people that have I guess been treated differently in a way. Do you think some of these like traits can come out as coping mechanisms yes. to that? And even like you were saying you know on your workshops when you're doing things there's a lot of neurodivergent people that come do you find that because I guess they're so maybe open-minded and willing to well no they have the type of brain that kind of thinks outside of the box anyway and thinks further do you think they're kind of just gravitating towards the same kind of communities because they feel like they fit well I think Part of the joy of like the spiritual community is on the whole, there are some exceptions. It's a very open-minded community, a very welcoming community. Like weirdos are totally embraced, you know, we love our little weirdos. Exactly. (laughs) We are the weirdos. What's different to sort of being spiritual as opposed to being in a religion is that you could pick and choose whatever you want from the spiritual yeah, world. True. You don't like tarot? Fine, don't do tarot. You don't like crystals? Fine, don't do crystals. You know, you can pick and choose and you can hop between them as well, which is really mm. nice, isn't it? And probably very suited to the neurodivergent brain. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. I just remember, I, I just wish I could remember everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I learn a lot of spirituality things and I get obsessed and it's there for a while. And then I'm like, all right, let's put it back in the box or put it yeah. in this box and we'll label it, seal it up. And then when you need it, it'll come out. <laughs> Do you find you're very reward driven? Like if me? you don't get that reward, yeah, both of you. Do you find if you don't get that reward or that instant, I manifested this thing, you then oh, I put see it back what in you the box. mean. Mm. I'm going to say yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely in. So this is my thing. You know, star signs. I absolutely love star signs and stuff mm. like that. However, I don't like to listen to star signs or read them before my day. So mm. I'll do my day and then yeah. I'll check my star signs. I'm like, ah, oh, you did it anyway. Well done. You well done. Because I don't know. It's like that's my little pat on the back for me because I'm like, ah, you did well. And even your star sign said you did well. So I guess mm, it's you're kind aligned. of like, yes, I like praise. I like to know I've done well mm. because I'm always, I guess, or have been fearful that I'm not doing a good job. So I definitely work better with feedback because if there's yes. nothing, that's going to open up the, mm. the box of, well, are you doing Your it shit. right? You're not doing yeah. it right. They obviously hate you. And, and I struggled with that for years. Yes. I would meet someone, feel their energy and be like, well, they don't like me. They absolutely don't like me. And no one else would actually understand. And I'm like, well, it's obvious they don't like me. And but then no evidence little... either. No, no. Person. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. But then it would go, when I, my earlier years, that would feed into the whole people pleasing. So if someone didn't like me, oh, I'm nice. You're, why do you not like me? I'm going to be so nice to you that you're going to like me. Um, But that would just do the opposite because it would be so. <laughs> yeah. And you've got to remember guess... your brain's hunting for dopamine. Yes. That is something. Mind. I've actually learned recently this whole dopamine thing and like mm. oh, it is mind-boggling. I have it tattooed on my wrist. Dopamine oh. and serotonin. How cool is that? That's so cool. I haven't got any tattoos. That might have too much. You know what? I've always wanted to get a tattoo. I've never got one. That's gonna be my first one. To be honest. I started getting my first tattoos in my 30s. So you still got time. Really? You still got time. But yeah, this whole dopamine thing. So again, we I've heard that word a lot on the internet. Mm. And to me, I probably have read it, but I've forgotten. Remember, I'm not mm. very good at tests and revising and stuff. So dopamine, is that like a happy inducing chemical in your brain? It's the reward center in your brain. Right. Mm. so basically people with ADHD I don't know so much with dyslexia but people definitely with ADHD because it's not an autistic thing either we either have low sources of dopamine or our brain sucks it up too quickly that's oh. the, those are the two things that happen that's where the chemical imbalance comes in mm-hmm. so obviously because your brain is starved of dopamine it will do it will direct you and control you to do things in order to survive because it thinks oh, I've got a dopamine like we're going to die so that's a survival thing. And it will make you do things like search for sex, impulsive behaviours like shopping, binge eating, scrolling on your phone. TikTok is a dopamine monster. TikTok gives you instant, 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 instant gratification, constantly, constantly, constantly. So if mm-hmm. you're not getting that instant gratification, like a reward, like, well done, you've done a good job. If you're not getting that, your brain goes, ah, oh, no, I'm not doing not this. Interested. And in, in, not interested. You don't want to do it anymore. You lose motivation. And I think that's kind of why like, a lot of us have like expiry dates with our businesses and stuff, because running a business is fucking hard. So we're all full of ideas. Give it a year and you've got to do a tax return. You're like, no, this isn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's like mind numbing. And you will procrastinate and put it off and put it off and put it off and put it off. So there's lots of different things that are linked with that, but the dopamine thing is the main thing. And on a basic level, that is like your brain is essentially hunting for dopamine. Well, that's why a lot of us end up with like addiction issues, eating issues, bad finances, because you just impulsively spend, especially if it's on a special interest or a hyperfixation. Like how many of us have gone, oh, I'm really into crystals now. Fuck it. And then you've got <laughs> I have all of them in the whole world. Well, for me, it's slightly different because I have general anxiety disorder, mm. um, hence the serotonin as well as the dopamine, yeah. because that is something that I am my chemical imbalance. You're deficient in, yeah. 
so it's again similar it's like constantly searching that high and the happiness drug and so forth now it's store-bought and if you need to do go down the store-bought route and take meds then so be it oh store-bought dopamine yeah. sorry oh so serotonin for me. Sorry, no yeah. no so serotonin store-bought I, t- I have meds for my anxiety and it helps me mm. so much because one thing that um, does bother me sometimes in the spiritual world is that it's a lot about like natural this natural mm. that and you shouldn't take meds fuck that if it's the best for oh, you then yes. you fucking you know I just think too many have room. done backtracking Certain people, I'm not going to name names, very, very big spiritual author mm-hmm. who got postnatal depression. So after years of spouting, don't take drugs, don't do this. She nearly died. She nearly wanted to kill herself. Sorry, can I say kill herself? Yeah. She wanted to kill herself and then had to go on antidepressants. And now she's wow. changed her tune and got a new book about it. Yeah. Mm. It's very easy to tell others what to do when you haven't had that experience. I'm very wary of people like that. Yes, I don't (laughs) deal with people like that. Also, science is magic. The fact that, like... You that these things have been invented, and we're not promoting big pharma here. That's another issue. We are not sponsored. No, (laughs) no, we are not sponsored. No, unfortunately, (laughs) but like the fact that you know, if you have a problem and it can be fixed by medicine, that's fucking amazing why wouldn't you do yourself that favor i'm not saying that everyone should go down this route or that anti-anxiety meds are for everyone i'm not saying that at all but just if you have any kind of issue any mental physical whatever consider your options and research them and don't don't feel like you have to go down the route of like doing things natural or whatever actually these people if they want to wear glasses they wear glasses do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What point do you stop? These are the people that tell you to go in and have a natural birth without painkillers. Why? That's not everyone's journey. That's not realistic <laughs> for everyone. People used to die. Women and babies exactly. used to die when we all did that. Like, again, mm. not saying you shouldn't do that, but like, take it. What's best for you in your situation? Absolutely. So that's, yeah, my little PSA about meds. <laughs> the rant. <laughs> Let's go back to the whole spiritual thing. Yeah. You were going to tell us a little bit, Amber, about childhood trauma. Yeah. So something, I think Sarita actually touched on it really briefly. So basically there's no studies on anyone who's neurodivergent in particular, so in particular autism, Mm -hmm. who isn't traumatized. We've all gone through trauma from masking and having to adhere to these expectations. Yep, yep, that so makes it's, sense. It's all trauma. So when we say the word trauma, trauma sounds like, oh my God, you've been abused or you've been beaten. Trauma isn't. Trauma can be like low level, smaller things, little, little, little tiny things that build up and build up and build up, but they actually traumatize you. And it's really frightening when you become a parent and you realize that and you're like, fuck. Mm. Yeah, because it's like, well, yeah, am, am I traumatizing my own kid? Are they going to come back to me in like 40 years and be like, you traumatized me? Literally. And it's, and the thing is, it's really funny because like, I can see like where my parents have been traumatised. So like we've had, so my parents haven't been together since I was like four years old, but we've individually had really good conversations around stuff that they've gone through and how it's influenced that, that, like, their choices as adults. Mm-hmm. And both my parents have a very childlike quality to them. And I think that's why, because their childhoods were quite traumatic. They've ended up coming together, trauma bonding. Right, yes. You know, and all the rest of it. And then they've had me and my brother, and I've ended up obviously with all these different things. My brother's neurotypical, which people mm-hmm. can never get their heads around. But my dad's got very, I would say, very severe ADHD. And he's only now just realizing it himself because of me and my son. And his wife is like, nope, no, you're not. And I'm like, oh, I can see your traits too, hon. Rupert, I don't listen to this. <laughs> it's not in a horrible way. It's nothing I haven't said to them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I even joked to my dad. I was like, I've got some written in here that doesn't agree with me. Do you want it? <laughs> I didn't do that. That's what I'm yes, we <laughs> don't share medication. We don't guys. share if medication. You me loads and loads. I'm not sharing. Do you know how expensive that stuff is? But exactly. I'm not sharing it. So, yeah, obviously we joked about it. But, you know, and we were talking about it. And he was like, oh, is that why like, MDMA doesn't touch me? Because ADHD medication is essentially speed and eight and mdma he's like is that why it doesn't affect me i was like oh, Dad. so there's certain medications so it's not medications let's say let's just recreational drugs drugs that would have no effect or little effect due so to well, the 
due to the balance wow. of your brain. Obviously, don't all start uh, like no experimenting. Do not. <laughs> I will confess. As a teenager, we had, I went to an American school, so there was a lot higher oh. number of people who had already been diagnosed with ADHD. It was, you know, it's, it, they are yeah. further ahead in terms yeah. of being more aware of this as an issue and, and definitely much more keen to prescribe drugs left, right and center to children. Yeah. Yeah. We used to have a few friends that had ADHD and we used to take their Ritalin for fun and it was fun, but I'm not recommending <laughs> it. But they're on the, not the flip side, but the other sides of that, um, I've yeah. heard of kids taking it when they've got exams to concentrate even yeah, more. Like and taking, and that kind of thing. Yeah. And I'm like, mm. OK, so I actually am on medication. Uh, I think it's called Elvance or something like that. Yeah. So it's kind yeah, of, yeah. yeah, I think it's on the, in the same. Methylinate. Yeah. So it's yeah. a stimulant, right? Yes. That I'm stimulant. on. Yeah. Which is good because. Literally, the first day I took it, I was like, what is this? Yeah. Sorry. Firstly, I don't feel like I need to procrastinate. Um, I just want to get the job done. I'm enjoying my job. And I'm doing 20 million thousand things in that one space. It's like, I can work so much better. And I'm like, mm-hmm. other people work. But then I guess mm-hmm. it's not in a way. It's like... I don't know. For me, I think the medication works with me in terms of what I want to do. If I've got a piece of work, which I enjoy, again, I've carved out a a career that I'm like, well, I have to enjoy it or I'm not going to do it. So Mm. I love content creation. I love being creative. When I've taken my medication, I'm, I'm just so focused that I can keep on going, keep on going, no distractions, keep on going. And if I haven't taken my um, medication, I'm like, right, so I've got to start this in about an hour. I'll just sit here and yep. um, scroll on my phone. Yeah. Two hours, three hours later, I'm like, right, I'll start. And then I'm like, oh, distractions. And so it would just take me that little bit longer. But with the medication, it's really helped. So I'm, I'm thinking if I could go back in time and go back to school, maybe if I was on medication, I would have been able to revise properly and retain and even to the point of taking notes I'm awful at taking notes yeah just the concentration so yeah there's there's good and bad when when it comes to medication it's just finding out what's right for you if medication is right for you at all because I really reacted quite adversely to it which I was quite surprised Mm. by because I don't know if that's because of the autistic autistic element as well because a lot of autistic and ADHD people when it's combined they have to take antidepressants alongside their ADHD medication and they're a little bit hesitant to do that with me because I've never taken anti- um, antidepressants before. So they were like, we're gonna, they've put me on a non-stimulant, but I've not tried it yet because I go for surgery on Friday. I need to have a wisdom teeth out. It's nothing big, but I've got to have all four out and it's a whole thing. Ooh, so I was, okay. just a little, I was a bit like, I don't want to be on anti- ADHD medication on antibiotics. So I was like, I'm just going to leave it until I come out of it. So my non-stimulant will stop my brain hoovering it all as quick. Whereas your right. stimulant is producing more dopamine for you. Okay. I think that's what's frustrating for a lot of people is when you're taking medicine for your neurodivergency or for anxiety, a bunch of things, it can be a bit like trial and error. And that process Mm, is really frustrating because you hope that you just go in and they're like, you have this, here's your meds, but it can be a bit of a process to find the right dosage, to find the right medicine. And sometimes people give up on that completely. And yeah, yeah. you know, so, so stick it out if you're going down that route. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to spirituality. Yes, sorry. <laughs> We're going to have to rename this um, podcast. Sorry. I'm <laughs> no, no, it's all of us. I think it's, a, it's definitely the... Might be a two-parter. Yeah. <laughs> all of us together. Yeah, so you discussed tapping crystals and breath work, and you were talking about being traumatised. Mm. That is where you, you, you left off. Where we left off and then got distracted yeah. or something. Yeah, so I think, again, that spiritual journey because even things like traditional cbt and counseling don't mm-hmm. always work very well for neurodivergent brains but in a way like self-development is kind of cbt do you know what yeah. I mean? very similar yeah. like very similar thing and you know telling yourself affirmations and doing meditations like the first time i meditated i was like wow my brain is actually shut up for two seconds like <laughs> and that's a really hard thing to do because your brain is just going so 
actually been able to get to a space where it took me ages to learn to do it, it like because of course your brain pipes up and then you have to go and then you know do it again but mm-hmm. being able to do that has been able to help me so much with kind of like coping with the daily stresses that normally my fight or flight would like go off and I want to shout and scream and have a meltdown all that so all that kind of thing has lessened and it's made me a better parent definitely like so I think that's where I realized I had to kind of do it because when my son was going through it obviously I was getting triggered by stuff he was doing like our traits are completely opposite right I'm very avoidant I like peace I like quiet I need dark I need to just sit down and no one talk to me for 10 minutes like I need that yeah he you could blow a gun next to his head and he wouldn't blink like he is on the go wow he is sensory seeking everywhere climbing the walls doing 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 and he like we can't have chill days there are no chill days in this house because he literally will climb the walls and like want to go out go out like okay so you don't have the you don't have that desire to keep on going and searching for i don't know fun it's not so much fun i think my idea of fun is different to his idea of fun but I think it's more my brain has a point where it's like I physically can't do this and I need to shut down. Right. So that's where the autism comes in. I have that shutdown. Yeah. Have to almost like um re what's the word? Is it overwhelming? Yes, it is very overwhelming. And it's almost like my brain is 10 steps ahead of me. It's like I, my brain is a separate entity. That's the only way I can describe it. So my brain will be going, you need to do this, you need to do this, da 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 da. And I'm like, hang on, I'm still over here. Like I'm still over right. here processing the first thing that happened. So I'm trying to catch up all the time. So it's very frustrating. So when, yeah, when the medication didn't quite work for me, because it mainly has suicidal ideation, like you've got to be really careful with some of it. And where I've had depressive episodes and suicide ideation in the past, they were a bit like, whoa, okay, come off that. Because <laughs> I was on methylinate, but I was on Concerta, I was on a different brand. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it just didn't. And when they were like, oh, that's a children's dose, I was like, holy shit. Like, that's terrifying. They gave me a kid's dose. And I had such a severe reaction. So it's really scary. I did wow. lose half the stone, which I was buzzing about. But, yeah, I've gained it back. <laughs> Stop it. Sorry. <laughs> Don't take it the way. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so I'm bad. Well, it's interesting you say that because in my research, one of the things with people that have been diagnosed with ADHD, autism, dyslexia, or even people that haven't been diagnosed with it, one common factor is finding their environment overwhelming. So you're more likely to resort to using things like noise canceling headphones, darker glasses and so forth. And it's important to sort of find ways to build resilience yeah. to those challenging environments because we have to live, have to live right? in it. yeah and so that's why it's more common that we turn to things like calming music or meditation or mm-hmm. even things like prayer or fasting or affirmations and again going down the creative route because we have to use our left side analytical brain so much in real life and yeah. in real life in in our lives daily life kind of Thing, yeah, yeah that we want to you know relax or balance out by using that right side creative side which is why you have a lot of people go down the artistic routes like it seems like all three of us did one of the misconceptions I think is that people with autism ADHD and other conditions are not very empathic of other people's emotions that they don't mm. understand other people's emotions and that's not necessarily true it might take a little bit while longer to process it but then they feel them very intensely. Mm. You are more leaning towards the empath Mm. route if you're neurodivergent. It might not be immediately obvious because you're processing things in a different way to someone who's neurotypical, Yeah, but it's there. As a result, you talked about this, it can be comforting to spend more time on your own healing, your Mm. self-reflection. For many people, many elements of lockdown was actually a blessing. Mm. You know, that's a little bit controversial to say but you know no yeah I get that there was elements of it I enjoyed it suited me just fine obviously not the people dying of corona but yeah yeah sitting at home being able to have communication with other people only as and when I wanted to on my own schedule and that kind of stuff it lended towards introspection reflection quiet time which is perfect setup for spirituality as well 
So I'm going to look at like the nitty gritty of some of what the science says. Right. And so do pipe in and tell me what you think. But I looked in particular because my obsession is the moon. Um, my podcast is called We Knew the Moon. The first season is all about the moon. But I, wa- I looked in particular at sleep and melato- melatonin. So I'll tell you a bit more about what that is. I know you both know, but for our audience and I go into more detail Um, I have an episode in season uh, two, episode 12. It's called Moon and Body, a.k.a. Scorpio and the Anus. So do check out that episode if you want to hear a little bit more about how the moon affects everybody. I go into like the different studies on how it affects periods, sleep and all kinds of different things. Surgery, driving, absolutely everything. Because and I'm looking particularly at the full moon because Mm. that's the one that's the most notorious, isn't it? Sleep trouble, violent behavior, mental health issues, menstrual cycles, all of these at some point have been associated with the moon. And almost every single country, culture, time period has got some kind of folklore about, you know, like werewolves or something bad happening at night, and in particular, the full moon. There are reports that surgeries don't take place on full moons. There's lots of reports of psych wards and nurses in birthing maternity units and police officers putting more of them on duty on a full moon because everyone goes a bit nuts. Yeah, you know, the, the word lunatic comes from the word Luna, the moon. And maybe part of this is because it's linked to like feminine energy, which is always seen as like dark and mysterious, which, you know, we are dark and mysterious. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, menstrual cycles have the same length as moon cycles. So there's an obvious link there and association there. Like I said, I wanted to look a little bit more at sleep and how that affects people specifically who are neurodivergent. So there's a common belief that the full moon may result in poor sleep. The evidence remains inconsistent, though. It's like for every study that finds that there is a link, there's another one that proves that there isn't. So Mm. I don't know. For me, that says that some people are affected and some aren't, right? Yeah. Some people think that it's purely as a result of that night being brighter when there's a full moon, that there's, mm. you know, a bright light in the sky. So that quite often can impact someone's sleep if you're a light sleeper. But for example, I found a study, it's a small study. There's only 33 volunteers in 2013 that on average, it takes five minutes longer to fall asleep during a full moon, which doesn't seem like much, but volunteers in the experiment also spent 30% less time in deep sleep. Mm. which for me is that's massive again super small study and again this might be because it's brighter it might be because there's a stronger gravitational pull in the water in our bodies we are largely made out of water but people for example with autism have a higher prevalence for sleep problems already Mm. yeah sleep latency the time it takes you to fall asleep is one of the most common problems Mm -hmm. and these problems are then amplified if you go by the study by the effect of the moon yeah We all have melatonin in our body. This is a hormone which uh, regulates our sleep and when we are sleeping and when we're awake. But those with autism already have a lower production of melatonin, especially at night. Mm. And a lack of it exacerbates autistic symptoms. So you already have less of it if you're autistic. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about ADHD, to be honest. I think I think that generally, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you already have less of it. The full moon comes out, you're probably going to be struggling even more to go to sleep and therefore the impact of the melatonin in your body and all of that makes your autistic symptoms come out more mm-hmm. so melatonin is the one that is affected by light so if the night sky is brighter i.e during a full moon then it will further affect our sleep and exponentially so if you are autistic according to some of these studies So, yeah, I thought that was so interesting. For example, I found one study that was on epilepsy. So something slightly different. It was looking specifically at the impact of production of melatonin. Epilepsy is one of the most common co-occurring conditions. Is Mm. it? Interesting. It's it's a form of neurodivergence. So it does come under the neurodiversity umbrella. Right. Okay. So, and clearly, yeah, no, amazing. And so clearly there's a link between epilepsy and melatonin because they're studying it in the context of epilepsy, but it found that the full moon may actually decrease seizure activity in epileptics. In these cases, research suggests that it may be due to the brightness of the moon rather than its phases. So the light of the full moon. So when the full moon was bright, 
when the moon was bright, i.e. full moon, participants had fewer epileptic seizures. They attribute this to the hormone melatonin, which is naturally secreted in your brain when the sun goes down, hence signaling that it's time to sleep. In epileptics, the brightness of the full moon counters this release, thus decreasing seizures. So they've proved that mm-hmm. melatonin does decrease during the bright periods of the moon. In this case for epileptics, that's a bonus because they have less yeah. seizures. But if, you know, in other conditions, that will be a negative. Yeah. So I just found that was really interesting that the scientific evidence behind the brightness of the moon or the gravitational pull of the moon, there's still a lot of research being done. You know, autism, I think was only sort of discovered in quotation marks or, you know, learned about in the fifties or something. Yes. So we've got so far to go. It was World War II, wasn't it? And obviously it was Hans Asperger. Yeah. Asperger's name from. And uh, yeah, he wasn't a great guy. So that's all a bit. No, no, no it was not. No. But it just means that we've still got so far to come in terms of our research. And I I imagine that a lot of it will be around melatonin production, the the moon. There's a scientist called Lorna Wing, and she kind of picked up where Asperger left off. And her research is really good. And that was around about about the 70s more. Well, we'll put all of our sources that we've mentioned. And I've got a bunch of sources for these different research, um, different Mm -hmm. studies that I've mentioned, we'll put them in the show notes. So if you want to do more of a deep dive, you're more than welcome to. One thing that I did look into, but I uh, not very much. And I thought maybe this can be our part two is um, I found some chitter chatter on the web. Some people saying spiritual practices are actually ableist. And for example, things like finding inner peace during meditation is perhaps not possible for some people that are neurodiverse. Mm. And again, it's, it's such a wide umbrella, the spiritual world, as well as the neurodivergent world, that I'm sure there are some practices in one that are not conducive. But they mean like non-inclusive, like certain things are just not inclusive, I suppose. It sounded that. like that. Yeah, I mean, like, I find it difficult to meditate, but I think that's because I haven't actually learned how to meditate properly. I thought it was the fact that you had to rid your mind of everything but I think it was you Dee that was like no you're supposed to actually think about something picture something and concentrate your thoughts on one thing yeah since I've been doing that it's been like so much easier because I can't sit there with nothing in my head that's like the worst thing ever yeah well and for example I can't do like silent meditation where I clear my mind I can't do that I know some people can it's not for me it will never be I've tried 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 so I always do guided meditations Mm. where I'm following someone's directions and I've got some you know they're they're guiding my mind so it's not going off track in a hundred different ways so you know if you think meditation is not for you try different types of meditation I think is in terms of the cycle stuff that you were talking about as well I'm reading a really good book at the moment it's called do less by Kate Northrup It's about how you can link your cycles into your productivity. Because what happens is, and this is what I want to kind of lead on as well. Are we talking menstrual cycles or moon cycles? Menstrual, but you can do both. So if you're someone that doesn't menstruate, you can still do this and men can do this as well. So if you're a non, so if you're trans, if you're menopause, menopause, you no longer menstruate, you can still do this and follow the moon cycle. Nice. Otherwise you'd follow your menstrual cycle, but each part of your menstrual cycle has a different way that it affects your brain and affects your yeah. productivity. And it's about what you were saying about the feminine. It's about kind of leaning, leaning into that feminine energy of the ebb and flow. So mm-hmm. men go through this cycle in 24 hours. Yeah. And we do it in 28 days. Mm-hmm. And they say we're the, the hormonal ones, huh? <laughs> obviously, what that's why we're expected to kind of get up and do the same thing every single day because we're expected to have the same 24 hours. But with women, right. we're not. So when you're menstruating or when you're in that part of your cycle, I can't remember the name of it now. I'll find the name. But like when you're ovulating, you're meant to be more creative, aren't you? And then Yeah, so your your cycle starts like the day you bleed and then obviously it goes, obviously it's a little There's parts of your cycle where you need to rest and you need to be in that phase of rest and you need to not do activities. And then there's other parts of your cycle where actually you're really, you know, really like hyperactive and you're really like right I can do this thing and I'm really creative and you have loads of ideas and then there's other parts of your cycle where you can actually knuckle down and move through yeah so yeah this is really good her mum Christine Northrup was like one of the biggest pioneers for like menstrual cycle studies and period studies and how they affect stuff and it's not very periody I did read it I thought oh like I I'm on the coil can I say that you can say whatever the fuck you want 
I don't get a traditional period anymore. So I was like, fuck, I'm not going to do this. And actually, you can follow it even if you don't menstruate. Amazing. Thank you, Amber. That's all right. And we definitely have to do a part two because there's so much that we didn't have to have We've actually to. Have missed off a few bits, haven't we? So I think I think definitely the empath conversation yes. can be a whole episode, to be honest. Yes. Let's put a pin in that because I had lots to say about that and experiences. So let's put a pin in that. Yeah, shall yeah. we? I think yeah. so. Well, thank you so much, you two. I have enjoyed myself thoroughly. I hope everyone else has enjoyed this um, episode as much as I have. Let's just have a reminder. Amber, where can we find you? So you can find me on Instagram and TikTok. So on Instagram, I am at it's Amber Collins with an underscore. On TikTok, I'm just it's Amber Collins. Obviously, I'll pop all that in the show notes. And I don't have a website yet. <laughs> I'm a little fledgling. Oh, and I'm also the Neurodivergent Awakening podcast. So all about awakening to your neurodivergent self. So it really lends into what we're talking about today. Right. I'm going to be definitely sure to catch that. And Dee? Well, my podcast is We Knew the Moon. So if you look for We Knew the Moon podcast on Instagram or Facebook, you'll be able to find me on there or the website, weknewthemoon.co.uk. Fantastic. And by the time this comes out, we're going to have a shiny new website, Women Who Rebrand. And you can obviously find the podcast, Women Who Rebrand, on all your favorite streaming platforms. And we are on Instagram, Women Who Rebrand. It's all easy when you do all the same name, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. And thank you, both of you. It's been so much fun listening to this. Take care. Bye. Bye.